Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 267. And today's episode is going to be directed specifically at people that are planning on running the uh, American Pointing Lab Association Triple Crown in uh, Idaho on Labor Day this year. Uh, it's I've judged the first I was one of the judges in each of the first two triple crowns, and I will be this last time. And I, this is going to be it for me for a while, if not forever. I don't know. Um, so I just wanted to be able to help people, not on what we're going to set up or what the tests are like, but just give people some food for thought about ideas, how to be prepared for this, how to go into this. It's a little bit different than running the Grand. It's a little bit different than running uh, the Master National, AKC Master National. Certainly different from the National Amateur, the National Open. In that, these are, we have Upland every single day. And I'll just break it down real quick for those that have forgotten or don't know. But it's three, we, we, we have three straight days. And on each of those each of those three days, we have one retriever series. And we have to, over the span of three days, have uh, a land series with a land blind. We have to have a water series with water blinds. And we have to have a mixed land water series. So it does, we don't, you know, the order kind of depends on what the weather and, and logistics and all that is, is, you know, which one is what. And in those three retriever series, two, at least two of them have to have triples in them. Now, all three could have triples or two of them and one could be doubles. But that's the rule is at least two of those will have triples in them. And... There has to be a double blind in one of those series. Could be double land, double water, could be the land water. There will be a double blind in at least one series. And there will uh, definitely be a land blind and have to be a water blind. So that could happen in a variety of ways. There will be uh, a diversion, which is something very normal uh, in all the master level tests. There will be an honor. Uh, so just like is in AKC and HRC things, there will be an honor also at that. There will be a walk-up, at least one walk-up. Now that doesn't mean when I say there's going to be a walk-up, there'll be one. I, I suppose we could do three, but there will be at least one walk-up. So these are all things for which you want to uh, be prepared. Um, then every day we will also do an Upland series. And we work very hard uh, not to have it in the same field every day so that we have 10 bazillion birds out there. Uh, but there will be an upland series every day. And uh, every series is invitation only. You have to pass the first series to get to the next series all the way through this. There are minimum scorings on here. So if, if you know, your dog does supremely well on everything and just absolutely blows up one thing, like as in all the other venues, that is not going to be passing. So you have to maintain a certain minimum score across everything. But the, the dogs that are showing up at the National are not always your minimum score kind of dogs. So it, that's not really been much of an issue there. And I will say this, this one other thing too is... Uh, 
we are not like AKC in that you may speak quietly to your dog. So if you're standing up at the line and you signal and you need to tell your dog to sit quietly without work interfering with the honoring dog or honor dog can't interfere with the working dog, you may do that. Where in an HRC you can do that, in AKC you cannot. So it's important that everybody knows the rules. And most of the rules at this level are the same everywhere. You can't touch your dog. You can't use your knee to nudge him over, get him on the right spot. You can't intimidate. And you cannot intimidate. And the definition of intimidation will be fully explained to you prior to the test. But it is the judge's definition of intimidation, not yours. So make sure you, in other words, have your dog just do the work so you don't have to yell, scream, bend over use excessively loud or anything all right there's there can be no intimidation in the upland field on any of the retriever series whatsoever so those are kind of the rules the other thing is three days you'll have three days uh three days of upland there will be four birds for every planted for every dog that's running First dog usually gets an additional just to kind of duplicate the situation the other dogs might be encountering, also in case something runs off the field. And at this level, and please make everybody make sure you understand, unless we have an excessive heat, you know, every single dog is taking a long time to find all the birds or whatever it is, we aren't going to do two and out, okay? It's not going to be that. At this level, these are the finest pointing labs in the United States. And they are expected to point and find all the birds. Now, obviously, they won't be left out there. If it's hot, you know, there's ways to adjust as a judge. If you have, if it's warm and conditions are difficult, you can move the birds a little bit closer, shrink the field. There's a lot of things that, and we will know how to do that kind of thing. But basically, you're look at it this way, approach it this way. There's four birds out there. Go find all of them, point all of them. We'll shoot them and uh, bring them, have your dog bring them back. So that's what you got going. And for those of you that have run nationals of other type or run this Triple Crown before, um, even when you have a really good dog and you kind of know what you're doing, it's still very... It's kind of intimidating. You know, you're at the national event. There's people filming, you know, and taking pictures and all that kind of stuff. So just know that it is going to be. And if you're a first-timer, like first time you ever do any kind of a national event, it's a little daunting. Um, so just go in there knowing that. However, be aware that everyone else feels the same way, even the pros. Uh, they feel the same way too because, you know, they got clients with a lot of high expectations. So everybody's kind of in the same boat. The judges that we have, like we've had in the past, are going to be uh, non-intimidating, not difficult, not, not make you feel uncomfortable. You know, we've, we've chosen some judges just like last year that everybody should be comfortable with. Um, who will make all of the expectations uh, clear. And, of course, people are invited to ask questions, make sure. If, if I were running that, you know, I've been, I haven't run the Triple Crown. I've just judged it. A bunch of my dogs have run it. Um, but I would make sure I was perfectly clear on everything before I ran. So people are encouraged to do that. Now, there's going to be several components to this that I'm just going to tell you. Uh, 
just give my opinion on it, that are going to be very important. One is your dog's fitness. Now, me being me, I'm going to say yours too, because when you're tromping, and you know, these are hills. We're in the Idaho, so we got ups and downs. We really had them in Colorado last year. We about killed our our uh, our camera people. Um, and you know, the judges were even wearing out a little bit. And our gunner, holy cow, <laughs> he got his steps in every day. So both you and your dog, but especially your dog, all right, need to have a high level of fitness because they're going to be running a triple and a double blind in the in the morning and then turn right around and go out in the upland field. And, of course, at this level, they are expected to have a, a enthusiastic and efficient search and hunt and cooperation and point, a real point. Um, you know, these guys need to be pointing guys. There can be no bird grabbing. There can be, you know, none of that stuff, obviously. Everybody who gets to this level generally knows that stuff. Um, but you're going to have to hunt through that field. And... You know, three days in a row. And most tests, unless you run the triple headers, those are tough. It's like a triple header because you're doing all this retriever stuff and the big swims, and then you're out in the up and field. And then, and it, so make it easy on yourself and your dog. Make sure you guys are out doing the miles together uh, and not running wild type stuff, but methodical where the mind is focused on the job at hand. Fitness is important. And fitness isn't gauged by, yeah, I can have my dog go for 20 minutes. Have your dog where they could go for an hour uh, repeatedly. In other words, build up some endurance on this stuff. And if they have a, it takes them a long time, it's a warm day or, the, you know, it's a big field and it takes them a long time one day, they need to have the fitness to come back on the second day and hunt the same way. So the physical fitness... Uh, is extremely important on these dogs and you know when they get tired or it's warm and they get tired and that mouth is wide open and they don't smell nearly as well as they do when they're fresh and that mouth is closed so I would want my dog not to get uh, tired if at all possible so going into this I would make sure my dog and myself were very fit and could move efficiently through there and even if it's warm and it, I believe in year number one, when we were in Higginsville, it was pretty warm, warm and humid. And so I know some of the Colorado dogs who aren't in humid uh, did some conditioning work carefully, just like an athlete running a marathon would do, by beginning to acclimate somewhat to the warmer temperatures. So that's a training thing you can do. Um, and this year I know it's incredibly hot in most places. So you don't just go out and work your dog when it's 100 degrees. But you can, when it's warmer in the afternoon, both of you, go take a walk. A walk, not a big run, nothing crazy. Begin to condition your dog and yourself. This is what runners do that are going to go run in Saudi Arabia in a race, right? You've got to be able to run when it's warm. Or they, they have a Death Valley 150-mile run or something like that. So a lot of what those people do is condition themselves to be able to handle the heat. They're not, they don't run as fast in the heat, they, but they condition themselves by beginning to go out and just be in the heat, move through the heat comfortably, hydrate, and uh, just get the dog used to 
slowly and you might be able to increase the time or increase the distance you go in the warmer part of the day but that fitness and heat adjustment I would do it because you know if a dog looks like they're actually having any kind of trouble with the heat we're going to pull them because we aren't going to let anything happen to anybody's dog um, so make sure that your dog and you because the judges have to do it too right we're out there with every dog every day uh, can manage this thing so the fitness and be ready for uh, a weather, somewhat weather extreme, like we're all having now. I think with the heat everywhere, probably all of us have a good opportunity to get our dogs uh, acclimated to that. Humidity won't quite be the deal so much as that sun just bearing down on you. I believe the elevations, I don't quote me on this, somewhere around 4,000 feet. So those of us in Colorado get to go down, <laughs> but... Uh, for people coming from other parts of the country, there'll be some elevation and all of that. So physical uh, adaptation is very, very important. Also, another thing along those lines I would say is make sure your dog is, when you're, when you're doing everything, and especially those of you not used to elevation, hydration is very important at elevation. A lot of times an animal or a person may not even feel that way, but it is that way. And so it's very important that, one, you two remain hydrated, and two, that you teach that dog how to, how to accept water uh, in the upland field. I had to show somebody, somebody told me here this last week, no, I can never get my dog to drink. And I took the bike bottle that he had, and his dog's jaw opened it up and squirted it all the way down the throat, and the dog got hydrated. I said, you're going to have to make sure that your dog, even if they're the kind that don't like to drink water, uh, on, on something that might be rugged like this, make sure that you can get water into them and keep them uh, cooled off. Make sure you understand the signs of a dog that's getting too warm or something else. I'm not trying to scare everybody. I hope it's just cool and breezy and beautiful. But if I were going in with a dog, I would have be ready for anything. So that's the, the physical part. Now, the other part of getting ready for this, in my opinion, is uh, be careful. Yes, we have triples. It's, it's like running an AKC Master. It's a little bit like the HRC finished, although with all, all the gun shooting right at the line. All the shooting is out in the field. So it's, it's, um, it's fairly simil similar to those things. I would say because this is the American Pointing Lab Association, and because we are a hunting organization, we are not it. And like AKC is, you better have your your dog trick trained to do any kind of technical anything. Just any, you have to have total control over them, which I think in our field, in our venue, you do too. But you, you need to have every kind of angle, entry, shoreline, over the point, and all that kind of stuff. For the, we don't really, I mean, we can have some very challenging blinds, but we're, we're working hard on not testing how sophisticated your technical training is, but how well your dog marks and how well your dog handles and is under control in a situation that is at least somewhat akin to a real hunting situation. And the judges that we have this year, I know everybody is fairly common in that Everybody running has titled master hunter dogs and qualified for nationals and all that kind of stuff. But 
that's not the criteria while judging the APLA. It is a hunting organization. So what you, instead of getting ready to go run the Grand or the Master National or something like that, get ready for the APLA thing, which would mean several things. One, have a dog that marks well. Now, now the trainer in me is coming out, not the judge. That doesn't mean go run triples every day from now to there. I would not do that because you, you want a dog that marks well. As important, or maybe a little more importantly than that, is a dog that when they go up to the line, knows they can do the job, feels confident about what they're doing. Whether it's one or two or three, they walk up there going, I can do this stuff and I like it. And you don't necessarily generate that attitude by doing hard stuff all the time. Because that pretty that can be very deflating. And, you know, they never, they're just hanging on, trying to grasp it, kind of getting in trouble sometimes. I have found, and I strongly, strongly believe this, one, make sure you can mark any single in the world really, really well. If your dog's kind of okay on singles, but you were all worried about triples, I don't know if they can count to three. I Make sure that you can do any single, and they are really good at it. Now, every dog will blow a mark somewhere sometime. I'm not talking about that. But that you can set up some hard singles, and your dog can do them. I And then practice that a lot. That's my opinion. Practice that a lot. So that one, their head isn't swinging. There's always three. One, two, three. So they flash look at one and then look over at the other and then look over at the other and maybe they got, you know, a judge that knows what they're doing can make that memory bird fall in a place that's very hard to remember if they didn't focus on it. So I would have a dog that can that focuses and the way you get that best is by running a lot of singles. You can have all kinds of stuff out there and the setup and holding blinds and people and chairs and whatever. But if you do a lot of singles, so the dog just looks out at one thing, goes right to that one thing, I'd much rather run a triple with that dog than a dog that just runs triples all the time. And sometimes they're like, holy cow, that was a, ooh, that, I mean, they just, they can't develop that high level of confidence. So do whatever you know to do. The confidence is probably the most important thing. You need to have a dog that looks out there and is comfortable and watches that bird and does what it takes to do well. So adjust your training program from here to there to make sure that the confidence and the stability is there, all right? Um, you don't want to be running the national with, you know, controlled brakes. <laughs> it's not going to work. So have your dog where they, and you can speak to them, so you shouldn't have any of that at all. Um, another thing to think about. So build up confidence in marks. Go ahead and do hard marks, but do them one at a time. And if your dog has been getting in a lot of trouble and not succeeding very well, maybe step back and simplify and get the confidence back. Don't go out and test, 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 test until they just have absolutely no belief in themselves at all, and then you get really worried. The other thing is on control, and I'll just say this. Every time I have seen a dog fail uh, with regards to handling and blinds and stuff, uh, was because the dog listened for a little while and then didn't listen anymore. <laughs> so, no matter what, a person, a good handler with a dog that's under control should be able to run just about any blind in the world, right? So, instead of practicing all kinds of, 
you know, under the ark and buy this and all the trick stuff. Go ahead. You can do that at some point. Before you do that, make sure that dog goes where you point him, stops when you tell him, and then makes a good effort to go where you're casting, whether it's 10 feet out in front of you or 300 feet out in front of you. Just make sure you have control over the dog. And if the dog just believes, boy, when you blow the whistle, I got to stop and look at you and wait to see what calves you give. And then they make an effort because they trust you, not because they're terrified. They trust you and they make their best effort to make that cast. You could probably do, you know, I've, shoot, I've made my profession that way. I just had that dog where they'd go and stop and mostly had bad days, failed on blinds and all that. But I just always had them where they're going, okay, sure. I, they weren't scared to death looking out going, oh, no, I see five islands and seven points. I'm in trouble. You know, they just see a bunch of water and go, i got to get in the water. So I would just emphasize making sure your dog is under good control and is cooperative with you. And then handle smartly. If you're running the national, you got to do something right to get there. So make sure that you handle smartly. Okay, I'm going to just talk a little bit about upland because people have a lot of different ways of doing it. I don't want to get in the middle of how people train. I'm going to remind any contestants that are listening to this that uh, in the upland field, the expectations at a dog at this level, these are all 4Xs running this, all of them. So they have clearly proven that they hunt, they point, that they are steady and that they retrieve well and bring things back to hand. So the dog should work reasonably cooperatively with the handler. So if your dog runs to the end of the field and we can't see him, we can't judge him. And now we're all out there not judging, the, not judging your dog. This is not a good thing. So this needs to be something where there is some level of teamwork and cooperation between you. The dog must establish the point on their own. And it has to be clearly a point. Now, anybody that's done this very much, and all of your judges have seen thousands of dogs point, there's really no difficulty in understanding the difference between a point and a dog that stopped because it's supposed to. And at this level, I have hardly ever seen that. Usually these dogs are so beautiful to watch. But just so people know, your dog has to go out there and really point. The dog has to establish the point before you can do any steadying. And the steadying can be anything that is not intimidating. You cannot run up and stand over your dog in a physically intimidating way. Because if you ran up and stood over me, I would be physically intimidated. So the dog cannot be run up and be stood over. You cannot whistle loudly in their ear, bent over, trying to intimidate them into not breaking. All right? This is, we're past all that stuff. That's a young dog building up to this level. So the dog needs to be steady. You can steady them in whatever communication you want. Other than you may not step between them and the bird. You may not do anything to block things. You just need to make sure your dog stays there until you are released by the judges. So I know everybody says, it's only 10 seconds. It's a lot longer. Some of these dogs in this, this thing, they're pointing these birds 20 yards away. So it takes a while sometimes to find the bird. 
that's a uh, there's sometimes been minutes until we can locate the bird um so uh, it, yeah the, you got to count at 10 that's when now you the handler can say whatever they want the, the gunner go in i go in whatever they want to however they want to handle it it's their field but it's not i mean 10 i don't even that's silly because it's sometimes it's a long time before that happens you can produce the bird uh the uh judge can or the gunner can produce the bird it is the handler's field you make sure you have it go the way you want but the judges have to be there and see everything so if you're uh, 150 yards away from the judges and they're trying to get out there nothing counts till they can see it so remain aware of that uh bird handling is important once the uh as everybody and everyone running this has run a lot of these fields i understand that but once the bird is produced and is flying wherever you're standing you stay and your dog has to bring that to you and if for any reason you know the bird can't be shot for a safety or some other deal then um, we will simulate in an intelligent direction that doesn't cause problems for you and your dog but for all handlers it's your field don't necessarily go do what you saw the guy in front of you who's a big pro that drove a long ways away and if he did it that's got to be the way to do it i would do it the way i always would do it so that i don't change anything on the dog you know wear the same things that are you know dark and more hunting like clothing you got to have orange out in the upland field can't have white can't have almost white clothes you can't you know you've got to wear dark clothing or hunting kind of gear just has to be something so that we don't have any of the field trial white coat stuff, white hat type stuff. Now the last thing that I'm going to say about this thing, particularly if you're new, if you've done this a lot, you're probably not even listening to this, but if you're somewhat new, I wouldn't change very much. In other words, the old saying, you know, just do what brung you, do that. So don't, you know, try to keep your dog in the same sort of travel situation that you always have. You know, if all of a sudden, instead of your, your truck with the, with the uh, crates in the back and all that stuff, now you're going with somebody else and now they're in somebody else's deal. I don't know, maybe that won't impact your dog at all. Maybe it will. But if you both do the things that got you to the point you are, as much as you can the better you know don't don't suddenly don't buy i i wouldn't even buy a new pair of like boots you know where do the things that that were there when you qualified for all this stuff and you went through all those eight tests to get that title um and more if you're requalifying for stuff you know be in your own environment don't get a new whistle don't i mean do do what brought you and i don't care who runs in front of you you know some big name person runs in front of you and they do things a certain way and all of a sudden you're like oh i should do that do exactly what you always do bring them to the line to the uh, holding blind with what however you always bring them to the holding blind do what you always do do what this dog knows do what do what you've done when this dog had great runs and did great things and training had a great attitude go back and do that same thing do not feel peer pressure or 
you know, if you look cool enough or this, don't do any of that. This is all about going out in that field or on that set of marks and doing the best job that the two of you can do. And you need to be in your environment as much as possible and comfortable and do what you always do. Don't try something new or see some different way of doing something or gee, the wind is blowing right in your face, right? And everybody's going to the right and you're going, if I was doing this all by myself, I'd go into the left. Um, then do that. You know, do what you always do because that's what your dog is expecting. And if you do something different and it's different for them, then they're off just a touch on that stuff. I would be, and the field is yours. Like I said, the field is yours. I have watched so many times people watch somebody that they really respect go in front of them and do things a certain way and then go out and try to mimic that. Well, you know what the thing to do? I'll just tell you what I think. I would, if you're going to go in the up and field and, you know, geez, you need to have a good run and the birds are up and running. Or By the way, if the birds are stuck down or running or standing up, it's all good, man. <laughs> if you've ever been upland hunting, they don't stick in one place and never budge. So we're doing like real bird hunting. Just forewarning. Don't, if you always stick your dog, birds in a, I always used to say in the Midwest, you know, they dig those little grass holes and then hermetically seal the bird in there so it's even hard to smell. That's probably not what you're going to get out here because this is a hunting situation. And so if a bird comes up out of the place it was planted and is standing there, uh, be aware your dog is expected to do a pointing dog kind of a thing right there. So, and amazingly, last year, they all did. <laughs> they were, it was just a great, great, great sight to see. But what I was going to say was, what I like to do when I'm in a high liability situation, is I watch, if I can, not standing around in a group talking about whoever's not there, um, I would be over there watching those, seeing where they're winding them because you might have a big crosswind in front of you up where the gallery is and on the other side of the field it's swirling or doing something different or dead down in a low spot. Watch where the other dogs are winding. Look where they're, are they right on top of them? Um, how are they winding these? On what side? Is it changing? Is it staying the same? What's it like far out there? What's it like right here? I would study that as much as I could. So at least I had a clue out there that the men, I, I couldn't just count on the wind being what I was getting going into the field. And if I wanted it, needed to make an adjustment. Because, you know, you don't want your dog coming down just upwind right over top of a lightly planted bird. Because then one goes flying out of the field and you lose one of your potential contacts there so study what the wind and the dogs are doing and how that's working and formulate you know whatever you would normally do if it was a training day for you to go out there and and do that so that's a, a kind of important so above all I would say one don't get too tricked out prior to this don't change suddenly I, I have found, I don't think dog, dog psychology is good, is the closer you get to a big event, the more heat and pressure you're putting on them and the higher the demands because you're getting nervous and you want to make sure you're ready. And i got to set up every triple I can think of and double blind so that I'm ready. Um, instead, I mean, you do a little bit of that so that your dog 
shows you it can do triples and you can do double. Go ahead and do that. But most of all, have a dog that walks up to the line, sits down and goes, I can do this. That is priceless. That's what you want. And on a blind, don't try and practice every possible blind, difficult blind you can do. I mean, yeah, sure, do some of those. Make sure above all that that dog listens and is in control. Because if you have that, you should be able to handle just about anything that's thrown at you that way at this level. So build the confidence and the, 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 the one that they know they can do it and two, that they are enjoying doing it. You've got to have that. There's nothing worse to watch a dog skulk up scared to the blind because they have been getting hammered and they just hope they do this right. So, and you know, in the in the pointing lab world, you got to have a dog that does a lot of independent work in the upland field. So play that card by having, you know, your dog also have a little bit more of, an, of a positive attitude when they're going and doing the hard retriever stuff. It's worked worked pretty well for me so that's what i'm going to say about this this year the fitness i cannot emphasize that enough the hydrate for you and your dog the hydration um the hydration of your dog whether they want to drink or not if it if we do have a warm labor day let's be ready for that i know that the northwest pointing lab club which is doing a phenomenally good job of putting this thing on thinking of everything they're going to have if it's warm they're going to have the misters and the pools and all the stuff so that that nothing, and we have health professionals there, everything is going to be good for everybody. But just be ready on the fitness stuff. And if you don't like fitness, I'm sorry, but you just need to take care of it here for your dog. Because this is a, this is a long haul. And again, we might have some up the hill and down the hill. And let's don't have that dog with its mouth wide open where it's not smelling anything going into up and field. You don't want to fail because of lack of preparation on stuff like that. And the water, know the rules. We'll have a handler's meeting, I believe it's Friday night, and then before every series every day. We'll tell you what the thing is. You know, I'll tell people what I've, I kind of, I'll say, you know, if I can't see your dog on this blind, you're probably going to be out. I, because the dog should always be inside on this blind. I mean, at least you're going to have a good idea. Dog has to really point. The dog has to be steady. You know, this whole thing has to be cooperative. I would say make sure that you understand cooperation is a big part of this. It's its entire own judging category on everything. So make sure you get that. You're not fighting over stuff. You guys are working together. And... Be very proud, each one, anyone that's going to this thing, you know, because you qualified and, you know, you did all the stuff. It's hard to get qualified for this. It's hard. I, I think it's harder than any of the other stuff, the, the field trial stuff, the hunt test stuff. This is the hardest because you got this, you know, it's we're not even like HRC, you know, because they have to be, they have to flush the bird and then sit down. Man, ours, ours. Ours have to point, they have to do so much stuff and they have to do it on their own without us instructing them and then go do a master national level set of marks and blinds and it's, it's really, it's a big deal. And so those of you that are going, be very proud of that. That is a major accomplishment and anyone who hasn't done it, that says a negative thing about it, <laughs> you're, you're, you're showing your character there because... 
once you qualify for this and do it, you have a lot of respect for it. Just talk to anybody that has that little TC plate and ribbon and stuff that has done this. So I wish everybody well. I look forward to seeing everybody there, meeting some new people. We got West Coast, we got East Coast, we got Far North, and we got South. So we have a lot of people and a lot of good representation. The uh, Triple Crown next year is going to be in South Dakota. So it's going to be uh, a little closer to the East and the Midwest and a little further from the, the West Coast people. But um, it should be another good one because people are really starting to enjoy the challenge of all this stuff. So I look forward to meeting as many of you as I can. And, you know, I'll be honest. I think I know I speak for the other judges. If everybody passed, nobody would be happier. Everyone would be exhausted. That'd be a lot of walking. But that's how good these dogs are. And if everybody is a national finalist, then... Yay, Pointing Labs. One of the coolest kind of dogs to work with. So good luck, everybody. Be ready. Make sure your dog is feeling good about this stuff and make sure you are. And I hope that you go and just hammer it out there next, next Labor Day. So until next week, everybody stay cool, be safe, and I will be back.